Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. These podcasts are brought to you in part by our sponsors, who really truly are what make these podcasts possible every week. O'Fallon Nutrition is a company that I've worked with for over 15 years. They're independently owned and operated, located here in O'Fallon, Missouri, right off of Highway K and Mexico Road. I call this place the Whole Foods of St. Charles County, but even if you are not located on this side of the river, it is still worth the drive. I can remember working all the way down at Powerhouse and still sending people out to O'Fallon Nutrition for their supplements. They are more than a supplement company. You can get grass-fed beef, salad dressing, seasoning for your cooking, uh, hair care products, makeup, uh, deodorant, toothpaste, uh, essential oils, and all the vitamins and minerals that you can think of. If you're looking for clean, whole food nutrition, as well as home care, house care, skin care products, O'Fallon Nutrition is your place. You can take a look at them at O'FallonNutrition.com. Or if you'd like to have something shipped, if you're listening to me from outside of St. Louis, you can certainly have items shipped. I know they do free shipping if it's an order over $50. And the phone number is 636-240-5283. Again, it's O'FallonNutrition.com. As well as if um, preparing your food on a weekly basis is your primary excuse for why you're not able to stay on a good clean eating program, which is something that I hear very regularly from my clients, I would ask you to please take the time to check out Pure Plates. It's pureplatesstl.com. They are a phenomenal place. We get our food from there during the week. They deliver to our integrity location. They will deliver to your house. Uh, They also uh, are just available for pickup. You can go to their Chesterfield location or their Kirkwood location and just pick up meals for the day as well as um, just having them delivered right to your door. So if preparing your food is your main excuse for why you cannot stay on a healthy eating program, then I would suggest just stop by Pure Plates. Just try it. If you're trying to lower your blood pressure, you're trying to lower your cholesterol, you're trying to get your blood sugar down, try to do Pure Plates meals for a week and just see how different you feel. These are organic meals. They are gluten-free. If you need them to be, they can be dairy-free. They are soy-free. You're not taking any processed sugars or meat curing agents or preservatives. They really truly believe in nutrient dense meals that are just whole food nutrition. And I've had my clients or have made recommendations for my clients for years at Pure Plates. It's pureplatesstl.com or you can call them to ask questions at 636-778-3555. Again, remembering that they have a location in Chesterfield as well as in Kirkwood that you can just run by and pick up a meal today. Okay, so I'm going to read this article that I uh, reviewed this morning from the Pure Plates uh, in uh, Chesterfield. Uh, They had a location in Kirkwood, but they closed that because they've moved more to delivery, which is what I was just talking about with them. So the reason why I've been reading these articles is because I I have this whole thing laid out that I want to talk to you about, and then all of a sudden quite literally the morning of our class, I read their article. I'm like, this is great information. I need to get this to you guys. So that's why I've suggested if you haven't gone out to the Pure Plates website to go out there and sign up and get these articles because it's great content, great information. Um, This is about something that I've always had an issue with and, uh, you know, have dealt with over the years with clients. And the title is, but I thought beans were a good source of protein. Okay, so it's a great, it's a great topic. Um, it's a common misconception. 
And a lot of times people don't realize what they're actually doing to their body and how they're inflaming their body by having that many carbohydrates and that many beans just to try to get enough protein. Okay. So it says, don't vegans have to get their protein somewhere? Yes, but as they age, it's hard to get all the protein they need from beans. As we grow older, we lose muscle. It just disappears. The scientific term is sarcopenia. It happens because our bodies produce less testosterone and growth hormone and higher levels of cortisol, the stress hormone, and more insulin. On top of that, we don't utilize the protein we eat as well as we once did. So we're not really breaking it down, which we've talked about before. Uh, so we need to eat a little more than we did when we were kids. It's no surprise that the people who consume animal foods, meat, fish, eggs, dairy, have an advantage here since these foods are richest in protein. But if your diet doesn't include those foods, you need to get it from somewhere else. And while most plant foods contain some proteins, Beans are the best candidate, meaning they do have the highest amount of protein out of all the plant foods that you can go for. Well, let me explain why that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing either. They have this great chart on here, Pure Plates created it, and it's the proper requirements uh, for protein. And it says adult women should be around 45 grams per day, uh, and men should be around 56 grams per day. I just want to throw that out there because most of the people that I meet with when they come in, they're on like 80 grams of protein a day, 90. I rarely meet people that are under eating significantly. Now, occasionally I get the person that just doesn't eat until two o'clock every day. And when they eat, they have carbs, right? So yes, there are those random people, but a lot of people don't realize you have eggs for breakfast, you have you know, six ounces of chicken, you have, you know, a snack of a hard boiled egg, or maybe even a little bit more meat over here. And then you have five to six ounces of beef. It really adds up. And all you have to do is just press the Google button and say amount of protein in five ounces of chicken, amount of protein in five ounces of turkey or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that definitely needs to be counted, yeah. And that's another mistake that folks make is that, you know, that tastes great in your coffee. Got them out of coffee creamer, right? Which is a good thing, but you know, you know, 10 grams here, 10 grams there, 10 grams here, 10 grams, you have 40 grams of, of protein just coming from collagen, and then you're still having 20 grams, 20 grams, 20 grams. So, I mean, you could easily be at 100 grams of protein. I just think people think they need it to be a lot higher than what it actually needs to be. The purpose of this article is to communicate that they don't think people are eating enough. In 20 years of doing what I do, I actually have to talk people down all the time. And then just the other day, I mean, just this past Sunday, I had a client that said, you can, I, I cannot believe your trainer is not having you consume 20 grams of protein immediately after your workout. And so, of course, she came in, I trust you with all my heart and whatever you say goes, but I just want you to know this is what I have coming at me. And I was like, well, what bodybuilding community are they part of? Because we don't need it. You know what I mean? They don't know anything about her body type. They have no clue how her body's processing protein right now. And if she over consumed on protein, her intestines would just like go into lockdown mode. I mean, she's already struggling so much with gut issues. She struggles with histamine issues. 
what she needs is to give her body a break. And the wrong person being told that, it's not good. Not good from the breaking it down perspective, but it's also not good because protein is still calories. And when it's consumed in excess, it's gonna convert and, and, and cause an insulin response just like the carbs will. Gluconeogenesis, if you look that up, it explains how protein can convert to glucose. So an overconsumption of it, it just isn't gonna be a good thing at all. But it is so common that it's just common practice that you have to tell people that for crying out loud, you can't work out unless you have a protein shake afterwards. It, it is not true. Now, the benefit of having the protein shake afterwards is all those great amino acids that are in it. And those amino acids are wonderful for repair. So take branch chain amino acids. You get done working out, take a branch chain amino acid pill. Go to Dave at O'Fallon Nutrition and get the perfect branch chain amino acid, right? Take care of it that way, but don't force feed protein when you just ate an hour and a half ago. You don't need it. You know, you really don't need it. Now, if it's your time to eat, right? And that's what I kind of try to do with my clients is set it up to where after their workout, they go home, it's time to eat, right? That's the way it's worked out. That's how their day's worked out. And then they, they eat maybe an hour and a half before their workout. So they come in for an hour and a half. They got a, a half hour drive home. It's perfect. They go home and eat. That's the way it's supposed to be. But in no way do I tell them, you better have that food in our fridge back there. It needs to be warmed up and it needs to be going in your stomach by the time you leave. I just, I just don't believe all that. Um, so that's a, that's a really good point. Now it says that, um, if someone was pregnant, that it would literally, they would literally need to go up to 70 grams. Okay. So they're considering that other little human inside their body. I'm pointing that out, knowing no one here is pregnant, but I'm pointing that out because how many people are still consuming 90 grams and they have us consuming 70 if we have an extra little person inside us. So that's something to consider as well. Now, athletes that are having four hour practices, you know, that are working out every day, but one day a week and they're just really hitting it hard, always out in the, in the heat and things like that. Then we get into the place where it makes sense. They say 0.6 to 0.9 grams per pound of body weight. Okay. So 0.6 to 0.9. I mean, that's, that's a, a pretty wide range, but they kind of break it down. I'll, I'll just give you a couple of them. Competitive athletes. That's what they're saying. 0.6 to 0.9 per pound. Uh, recreational athletes, 0.5 to 0.75. And then muscle mass athletes, someone who's really building for muscle, 0.7 to 0.9 grams. So per pound of body weight. So it could get high in that case. We could. That's where someone coming in at 100 grams is making sense then, right? But not for someone that just gets an hour long workout you know, five days a week. It, it isn't enough. You know, it, it, you're not doing enough to use it really. And you, you know, every person's circumstance is a little different, but you don't want to overconsume on it. That's, that's the concern. Now it says beans have protein for sure. And without all the baggage that comes with meat. So that's a positive, but bean protein is not enough to provide all that we require. It's low in an important amino acid, leucine, which is necessary for building and maintaining skeletal muscle. Now that's part of branched chain amino acids. 
So that's why I'm saying after your workout, just take a branch chain amino acid or um, MRM sells a glutamine branch chain amino acid powder and you can put it in your water and it makes your water taste like watermelon, which is kind of an odd flavor, but that's the one that they sell. Uh, but then you get glutamine for repair and then you get that branch chain amino acid in there just for helping your body to build muscle properly. Not weird muscle, not too big or oddball, make you feel swollen muscle, just the way your body's supposed to build muscle. So that's a way to support it by taking that, okay? Um, especially, if you're on a vegan diet and you know that you're you're being limited on that, okay? Um, in addition, uh, the protein in beans are, are plentiful. Uh, they, they are not as plentiful or bioavailable as the ones in animal-based foods. Uh, the recommended dietary allowance or RDA for dietary protein for a sedentary American is 0.36 grams per pound of body weight. That's about 53 grams of protein for a 50 year old woman who weighs about 140 pounds. So look at your day. This would be the time where I would say, let's get out the, um, can't remember what that special calculator is that everybody does where you put your food in. I can't remember what that's called. Cause yeah, yeah, there's a real popular one that they put on your phone though. I can't remember what it's called now, but everybody uses it. Um, this would be the time to do something like that. Take one day, put it in a nutrition calculator and see where you're at. Just at the end of the day, see, see where things total up. I had a client do that the other day and she was super surprised. She just couldn't believe how much more she was having than what she thought. And not just in protein. I mean, she just didn't realize she was consuming that many carbs. Because you think, you know, vegetables and fruits, like no big deal. And then you add an oatmeal in there and you add a sweet potato and you're like, holy cow, I'm at 160 grams of carbs. I had no idea. Like, I thought I was at 90 to 100 and you're not, okay? Um, what most people don't realize is that this is the minimum necessary to prevent protein deficiency not the optimal amount needed for robust health or building muscle, one of the most important organs in your body. A group of 40 scientific protein experts gathered at the Protein Summit and published a report um, in the American Journal, and there's a link to that on that, um, on that article, so I would click to that. The experts agree that most Americans are not getting enough protein, um, the average American gets about 16% of their calories from protein, and that an, uh, and, and that an active adult may need twice that recommended daily value. I know that that's what the article says, but again, like I told you, I actually feel differently about that. I'm not disagreeing with the article. It's great information, but I don't meet many people that are under. I meet a lot of people that are over. Okay, so they're out there because they're obviously meeting with them or they wouldn't have posted that. And I believe it because I can see the dynamic. You know, I can see someone like my mom waking up and having toast for breakfast, right? Uh, and then, you know, and that's it, just toast and butter, right? Uh, and then she would go to lunch and she might literally have a baked potato for lunch and she might put some cheese and broccoli on it. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? And then maybe at dinner time, she might have a hamburger. And so, yeah, in, in that case, my mom's probably getting 25 grams of protein in a day. So you bet there are people that are doing that. I just don't meet a lot with a lot of those people. Those just are not my typical client, okay? Um, 
following the RDA guidelines for protein would provide you with about 10% of your calories from protein, whereas most of us need 15 to 35% of our calories from, from protein. Because we have to remember that protein really controls the blood sugar. It slows down the absorption of sugar in your body. It stabilizes your energy. It extends your energy throughout the day. We need more if we are physically active as we get older to maintain muscle mass. I see that a lot is that if someone is low, if they come in low, then that's one of our biggest issues is just that they're just not maintaining their muscle the way that the way that we need them to. And that's really our biggest struggle. Um, it is best to eat protein uh, spread evenly throughout the day at each meal. So not not to just try to get it all in in one meal, but to because again, that gluconeogenesis, we could create an insulin response if we had too much at one time. So we want it nicely divided all throughout the day, okay? You can get protein from plants, but they can contain less leucine and come with lots of carbs. That's super important to understand. To get the same protein you would get from a six ounce piece of salmon, you would need about three cups of beans, okay? that would be equal to 123 grams of carbs, okay? Now, do most people sit down to three cups of beans? No, I mean, they don't usually in one, I mean, if they do, their stomach's gonna be killing them more than anything, but they do sit down to one cup of beans, okay? So if we sit down to one cup of beans and three cups is 123, we're really still taking in a decent amount of carbohydrates to be able to, you know, I mean, Think about it, if I have four cups of vegetables, I could be under 20 grams of carbohydrates for that meal, very slow, high fiber, slow to convert to sugar carbohydrates. One cup of beans, I'm at like 40 grams of carbs. Well, if I throw any broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce, anything on with it, I'm gonna be at 60 grams. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's just really something that needs to be taken into consideration. For me, the, and I'm sorry if I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs, but I just wanna make sure you guys can hear me. I know that's hard. Um, Cause I kind of, I'm like ready to go horse, sorry. <laughs> We're gonna get this article out, okay? <laughs> um, the, for me, this is the key point. And this is what has always been my point about beans or peas and, and getting your protein from peas. It's, it's what happens when you have it. Great, I'm glad it has protein in it. That's wonderful, but it also is gonna come with 40 grams of carbs if you have a cup of it, you know? And do we want that? I mean, are we prepared to have that big of an insulin spike in having it? That is the concern, okay? That is a really big concern. Now, what they did is they gave us a nice little chart, which is great, and it, it says salmon, three ounces of salmon, 184 calories, 23 grams of protein. Okay, uh, ground beef, three ounces, 218 calories, uh, 22 grams of protein, okay? So when you think about it, if you think about three ounces, the average person is eating five to six ounces. So have you ever measured your protein out? I mean, do you, have you ever had a, like a, an actual, right, a scale? I mean, has everyone scaled their meat? Okay. I used to. Do it. Okay. Do it because. I'm so good at it. Right, because I want you to look at this. Okay, so do it and then tell me this is three ounces. 
So three ounces of, let's just use ground beef, okay? Three ounces of ground beef is 22 grams of protein. So that means if we go to four ounces of ground beef, you know, we're going up. Okay, if we go to five, that means we're really gonna be at 30 grams of protein. All right, let's say we just did that for dinner, okay? But then let's say that we did chicken, okay? So we, we throw chicken in at lunch. All right, let's say we're smart and we only have three ounces. But I'm telling you, if you're weighing it out, I'm just wondering if you are, right? So let's say we're really strict about it and we have 20 grams or we, we, we keep it right at 20 grams. Between dinner and lunch, we're already at 50 grams. There's protein in your veggies. There's protein in your nuts. There's like, you're adding it up. Then if you're having the collagen, then there's protein in that and you're adding it up. So exactly, exactly, right? It became a, you know, I really, it was really like an eye-opening thing for me. And I've always been more of a muscular build, you know, my entire life. But I've found that if I can control that amount of protein and really think it through and say to myself, do I really need this amount? I can control my weight a lot better, you know? And what I mean by that is when I go to work out, I don't feel like I'm like getting so much bigger from it. I don't want to get bigger. I want to be as small as possible. I don't mind having muscle. I would like to have muscle for the rest of my life to protect me, but I just can't afford to be this giant bodybuilder that can't zip up the side of a dress because my back is so big. I was doing that for years and not figuring out how to not look like that, you know, and my world was 90 grams of protein, 80 grams of protein. You, you need to be considering between, you know, consuming between 80 and 100, just like my client said last week, shouldn't you have 20 grams right when you get done working out? I mean, could can you even get a good workout in if you don't have the 20 grams? It's a real deal. I was just staying full all the time, okay? So I can't guarantee that would happen to you. Maybe your body would eat it up. I mean, John's body evaporates, it, it evaporates. Like as soon as he puts it in his mouth, it goes right to the muscle. And I mean, he can't have enough of it, you know? Um, Justin's body would be the same way, but you gotta know your body, you know what I mean? Right? Well, what you need to do is start with that recommended daily allowance, you know, that 55 grams, because you do need that much to be able to build muscle, right? But don't over consume on it yet. Get and if you're not weight training, which you are, but I'm just saying, if you're not weight training, then you really have to be careful with it. You know, it's how are you going to, where are you building the muscle from? If you are doing really little to no physical activity, then you really need to not go into extra okay so that chart was pretty eye-opening uh in my opinion and and it's eye-opening because i just don't think that people think a three ounce serving is that much you know what i mean i mean just weigh it out so you can see you just weigh it out so you can see That's little, the, five ounces. right and the fat the fat and the protein really help to sustain you so it's in there and, I, and I'm really glad you said that because you, you have to look at someone like Tammy, like before she came here, she probably moved the piano, picked all the green beans That's in her true. garden, picked all the green beans in her garden, right? 
right? And uh, I mean, she's just incredibly active. She will come in and tell me, I completely moved all the furniture from the downstairs to the upstairs before our 11 o'clock appointment. And I'm like, with who? Isn't your husband at work? I did it myself. And I'm like, what? And, you know, and she'll say, I fell, I fell, but I think I'm okay and can still work out today. And I'm like, whoa, you know, she's actually the one that should take in more protein. And I, I know that sounds funny, but it's kind of real. Like, she would use it. She will use it. She's kind of in that athletic category because she's just always doing something. She, the church needs something. Tammy's the one that goes up and like starts moving stuff around for it. You know, that's just how she is. So in her case, she, she does need to be higher. But if you're, if you're working with weight and you need to get the weight off and you are doing weight training, then I mean, you know, still stay moderate and watch that weight but make sure it's at least that recommended daily allowance like that which is you know they said 45 i usually tend to lend more like around 55 but they suggested 45 but that was sedentary you know so because you're weight training because you've started to weight train i would say 55 okay now one other thing i want to point on out on that was on that chart black beans one cup of black beans was 227 calories, 15 grams of protein, which is wonderful. Uh, but remember that it was somewhat limited protein, that we're not getting absolutely all that we need from that protein. And again, 41 grams of carbs. So just, just be aware of that, okay? Um, I will say that eggs are, are quite low in protein. Well, one egg is six grams of protein. So I mean, mo the average... Right, the average person might just sit down to two eggs. So that's a way of getting, you know, some protein in without like always having to be at 25 grams. Do you know what I'm saying? So anyways, that's just something to, that's what so they had I on here. Everything up, like, you know, I do the five ounces and the five ounces and the two eggs, and I thought, wow, I'm That keeps it a little bit low, yeah, yeah. So that would, that would help it, but I still feel it would be safe for you to be around 65 grams. I mean, that would be a good, a good, you know, I think for you going forward. So that was a great article. Like I said, that's on the Pure Plates website. I highly recommend following them because I'm so impressed with the content. So any questions about that? It was sort of a diversion from what I planned to talk about, but I felt like it was a worthwhile diversion. The interesting thing is that my first topic was protein and how much is too much protein, but how much is too little. It wasn't like I was going to go into beans and vegan protein and things like that. I had no intentions of going that direction. I was just going to talk about that levels. So we've more than accomplished talking about the levels. But did you have a question? Green beans, we're talking about green beans. Green beans would... Yeah, these would be more like navy beans, um, black beans, pinto beans, things like that. Now, it's not to say that green beans do not have protein, because they do. In fact, let's just see how much. This is just since we're all here. Amount of protein in one cup of green beans. But they don't swell you like right. the other. Yes. Yeah, 1.8 grams of protein in one cup of green beans. So it's super low it's super super low and and green beans are just different than they you, your body doesn't have the same allergic response to green beans as they as it does to beans i just posted a really good article about that on my facebook the other day uh because we were talking about you picking green beans and then someone said something about 
boy, if I ate that many green beans, I would have a really bad response. And they had read a book called The Plant Paradox, which is a good book. And it does talk about how beans can really become an issue and, and can genuinely cause inflammation if you're over consuming. But green beans aren't really in that same spectrum. So I know that's confusing, but try to take a look at that article on my Facebook page about the green beans, you know, or just type are green beans unhealthy, you know, and you'll just start getting all these layers of articles regarding it. All right. Now this is just Yes, that's certainly going to change things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one cup is 40 grams. Okay, so let's say you've, you have, you know, six beans in there. I mean, it's still going to add the potential for a histamine response. You know, one bean can do that in a sensitive body. My body would be responsive to one bean. It just would. I have to pick stuff like that out for sure. But it also, it would be more carbs. So if you had things like tomatoes, peppers, onions, carrots in there, then you're building the carbohydrate content and then you throw those beans on there, it might push you higher than what you really thought you were. Okay. So it's just something to consider. You know, it just what I would suggest, like growing up on New Year's Day, dad made black eyed peas and we would eat an entire bowl of them. And all of us would like fall asleep on the couch in the <laughs> afternoon yeah. on the day, New Year's Day. We just went to sleep. It just put us to sleep. It's like we should eat that every night and we would sleep like babies, <laughs> right? We'd wake up starving, but we'd sleep like babies. But that's an example of what I'm talking about, you know, and a lot of people that try to do plant based diets they, they kind of navigate and steer more towards beans, especially younger people, because they think, well, it tastes good. I mean, it's good. You know, if your stomach can withstand it, it tastes good. It's very starchy, you know, and peas are the same way, you know. So, you know, just understand that that's, that's a carbohydrate response and an insulin response that over time, that's where that inflammation is going to come from. That's where the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, too many of those insulin spikes, that's where the issue is going to come from. You know, and you, you might think, okay, I eliminated meat. Why do I still have high cholesterol? I don't even eat it. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you go, well, there's your, there's part of your reasoning, you know, is you're bringing in too many carbohydrates and it's just too, too high starch diet. So you're too much of an insulin burner and that's going to impact your cholesterol. So, okay. I want to talk a little bit about nutrient density and like, what does that mean? and just sort of the difference in, in, in understanding that nutrient density is about foods being able to control blood sugar. Nutrient dense foods do not, they're not quick to convert to sugar, okay? So when we think about, I'll just use soup as an example, just because we just talked about chili. Uh, when we think about having a soup, if I just made butternut squash soup, which is pretty tasty, right? That is a great vegetable and it's great for you, but to just liquefy it and drink it, I'm just having a carbohydrate source and I'm really going to build my blood sugar quickly. Okay. But if I made a vegetable soup and I put green beans, I put, you know, all of the different spectrums of vegetables that we could throw in there. I threw cabbage in there and then maybe I throw some grass fed beef in there to make it like a vegetable beef, or I throw some shredded chicken in there to make it a chicken vegetable, or I put it on top of chicken, um, riced cauliflower in there. And then I top it with some olive oil 
you know, so that I can get or some avocado sitting on top. That is a very nutrient dense meal versus butternut squash soup. That is, that has now liquefied the carbohydrate, making it even easier to convert to sugar. Does that make sense? See the difference there with just like a soup. Okay, so let's say we were gonna have a cracker. I'll just use a popular cracker in, and then give you an example of a better option. Wheat thins. So if we look at the ingredients on wheat thins, it's going to be a flour that converts to sugar quickly, wheat flour, basically. And then it's going to be sugar. They will have sugar involved in it just to make it actually taste worth eating. Otherwise it would taste like cardboard, you know, and that is, you, that wheat then is going to convert right to sugar. It's a super fast sugar burn, okay? Now, if we tried the new almond flour crackers, have you guys seen them? Okay, there, okay, let's just talk about that real quick. Almond flour crackers. They sell them at Costco now, so you have that as an option. Now they only, it's called Simple Mills. They only sell the plain ones at Costco. They sell them at O'Fallon Nutrition. They sell them at Fresh Time. Deerberg sells them. I don't know about Schnooks or Aldi. Simple Mills, they come in. I, If you were gonna get it, I would get the plain. That way we're limiting the, the amount of fake ingredients that could potentially be brought in. But really, this product and this brand, maybe they're not ingredients that we wanna consume like cheese, but they're actually really not bad ingredients. You know, they're, they're whole food ingredients. You understand what they are. You can pronounce them, okay? So it's Simple Mills. Okay, now I also looked the other day for a client that has four daughters for cauliflower crackers, and they exist too. Those so, are they? Yeah, they taste like cauliflower. You <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have one and be like, those are awesome. <laughs> Like I will, I swear, I'll dip it into like a, the soup and be like, I love these. Cause I don't ever get that kind of texture. I got used to it. Right, right. And you know, and in that case, that's what you'd use it for. Like dip it into soup, dip it into guacamole. That might be not be the cracker that you want to sit and eat as a cracker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or put, or make a chicken, make a chicken salad and dip the chick, put a chicken, you know, put your chicken salad on each one. Then you're just getting the crunch and the texture, but you're getting a nutrient dense option versus something that just goes, converts right to sugar, okay? Now, bread is sort of an obvious, I mean, everything about bread is just carbohydrates. It's just about, you know, it's just about converting to sugar. That's, that's all it's going to do. So an example would be maybe to find a recipe for like a keto zucchini bread, you know, where you're using whole food ingredients, coconut flour, almond flour, coconut oil, um, you know, sometimes then of course they add zucchini, sometimes they add protein powders to them. They come out, you slice it just like a loaf and you make bread, it's bread. You know what I mean? You might spread a little more coconut oil on it, but you still have that feeling or that texture like you're getting to have bread with, with very nutrient dense ingredients because the almond flour is very slow to raise the blood sugar because it's a fat. You're consuming more of a fat than anything. Oh, there's minimal carbs in it, yes, but you're really consuming a fat, okay? Does that make sense? Just for, and I'll, just for information's sake, Maria Emmerich, 
has a zucchini bread recipe that is really good. If you just type in Maria Emmerich keto zucchini bread, that's a really good one. The really good one to make. I just want to look this up. Ingredients of Simple Mills almond flour crackers. Do they okay? They're, they're obviously a gluten-free food. Okay, nut and seed flour blend, almonds, sunflower seeds, flax seeds, tac bioca, uh, cassava, organic sunflower oil, sea salt, organic onion, organic garlic, rosemary extract. I'm not really a big fan of sunflower. I don't recommend it to many people. And if you go out and just search dangers of sunflower oil, you'll find that it really doesn't break down well in your body and can cause inflammation. That's why. Um, but that being said, you're still doing so much more for yourself by having this cracker over the wheat then or the Ritz or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Like every day of the week, you're still in a better situation with this cracker than those crackers. Okay. So you see where I'm coming from? When we look at what we're going to choose to eat, we've got to think what's the more nutrient dense option. Now we can do this with dessert. We can say even something as simple as cake, birthday cake over cheesecake. You know how I feel about dairy. I never put people on dairy, but still cheesecake would be the better option because there's so much fat in that it would really slow down the absorption of the sugar. And with cheesecake, you can lay it on its side and you can eat around that crust and not even have the flour impact from it. Yes, there's sugar in there, plenty of it, but it's, but it's still a better choice than just flour and buttercream frosting. You know what I'm saying? Big difference there. You're, you're still going to have blood sugar response because you're having a lot more sugar, right? Now, given the opportunity that you could make that cheesecake with monk fruit, stevia, you know, and sweeten it that way, well, we're a thousand times better off than where we were just having a cheesecake. But we're still so much more better off from having, you know, just that cake with the buttercream frosting. So let's say it's someone's birthday and maybe it's a child, a grandchild or, or one of your children. You want to make them a cake. Do it. Make yourself an individual uh, cheesecake. You know, put it in, get one of those small cheesecake pans. That'll be yours, you know. And if you want, make it with a gluten-free crust so that, you know, just crumble up, you know, that crust and use it. And, and if you want to eat the crust, eat the crust, but you can still flip it over and slide that crust right off of it, you know. So that's the difference in dessert. The difference between a Toll House cookie and a Sophie's cookie is that if you look at each flour and each ingredient, every ingredient is gonna to convert to sugar super fast. In Sophie's, the only ingredients that are gonna to convert to sugar quickly is going to be the chocolate chips because they're gluten-free, dairy-free, but they still have sugar in them. So that, but it's what's going to slow them down is the almond flour, the protein powder, the coconut oil. You know, those are the ingredients that are going to slow down the absorption of that. The, you know, even the pumpkin kind of gets in there and does it. Okay. So even dessert, we can look and seek out the most nutrient dense option for dessert. Okay. Okay. Any questions about that? So I want you to walk away from this six months of working with me 
understanding that as a main key and being able to control your blood sugar and therefore controlling inflammation. Because remember, the very first day we met, I told you the key to controlling inflammation is controlling your insulin patterns, not having spikes. The key to controlling histamine responses is having low histamine producing foods, but also not having continual histamine spikes. So if we sit at the base and say, let's have nutrient dense meals every time, we're going to cut 50% of the inflammatory possibilities out because we are not gonna have the spikes that we used to have. We might not lose weight if we eat those crackers all day, and we may not lose weight if we eat that cheesecake all day, right? But we might not gain weight, but we might not lose it. But what we might do is keep ourselves from having super arthritic situations or major gut issues, you know, just different scenarios like that or high blood pressure for that matter. You know what I mean? Uh, high cholesterol, your cholesterol might be dropped. Probably not if you eat cheesecake all the time, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? When you look at even those almond flour crackers, you wanna look at them like I have this little bitty bowl, okay? And I'm going to have like eight of those crackers and that's it. So that's why we wanna have eight of those crackers with the guacamole, you know, or with your soup or with the chicken salad, you know, and here's what I would suggest, cut half of a cucumber up real thick sliced. And when you're finished with those crackers, go right to the cucumber, have a backup. When the crackers are done and you still have chicken, you know, or you still have guacamole, use the pepper, use the cucumber, use whatever you need, celery, whatever you need to still be able to get that crunch. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So. That's a huge thing for me. On the last day, when I say things I need you to remember, the most important things you should have got out of this, the word nutrient density should be in there. And you wanna think about that for your friends, your family, anyone that you see that's suffering, you wanna be able to communicate that to them. That's where it matters, you know? And it's hard. Tammy and I talk about, you know, one of her family members that, you know, they've been eating the same way for a lot of years, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of years. And she really wants to try to get through to her. but. She doesn't know about almond flour and coconut oil and protein powder. I mean, she doesn't know crackers are made from almond flour. If you live in a small town, you might not get that. They, they may not have that as an option. Yeah, you could order it off Amazon, but if you don't even know to look for it on Amazon, my grandma wouldn't have known to look for that. We would have had to go out and bought, buy it. We would have had to have bought that for her, you know? Um, so you only know what you know. But when you're looking at trying to help someone, especially an aging family member that's potentially dealing with dementia uh, or Alzheimer's or anything like that, we really want nutrient density because Alzheimer's is considered the type three of diabetes. So it's insulin control and being able to control those insulin responses that the body's having. You can control that with nutrient dense foods that are high in fat, high in protein and really protect your blood sugar. Questions about that? Okay, now if you ever are not sure of something, just message me. You know, if you're kind of like, well, I wonder if this would be considered nutrient dense, just message me, I'll tell you. No, it, it's good. Yeah, it does have almond flour. It's a teaspoon of it though. And then the rest of it is not good flour. You know, and sometimes they'll try to get away with that nowadays. As long as they can slide that they have almond flour in it on the front of the box, they're gonna probably get 25% of you to buy it. Cause, well, really more like 75% of you will buy it. And then 25% like, 
like me and then the people that I yell at every day, right? <laughs> I'm like, Twitch sending me the front of the box. I don't even know what's in it, you know, but it says that it's, I don't know, they lie, they lie. Yeah, <laughs> it's in there. It's just like barely in there. <laughs> it's a couple of specs. Okay, so then I wanna talk about how important the gut environment is. And I, got, I found some great articles for you guys. Um, I would go out, here's another website I would go out to. I would go out to Dr. Mark Hyman. Um, first of all, if you're on Instagram, he's kind of like the only reason I even want to be on Instagram other than the occasional thing that John posts because, you know, I feel like it's fun to watch the things he says and does and the really weird pictures he posts. But someone like Dr. Mark Hyman is, I mean, his information is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. I went out to his website and found, you know, these, these articles. So I would recommend um, following him on Instagram and then not just doing that, going out to the website, because this was the Instagram post that I found. Um, it was having a healthy gut means more than just not being annoyed by a little bloating or heartburn. It is central to your entire health. It is connected to everything that happens in your body. And I think it's hard for people to understand that your brain and your gut are literally connected because so many of your neurotransmitters are created in your gut environment. So if you have a super unhealthy gut, you're probably going to have a super unhealthy brain. So if you have a child that you're working with that has attention issues, look at their digestion. Are they going to the bathroom every single day? Uh, or do they have a super swollen belly? Do they have gas? Do they, you know, are they just kind of dealing with stuff when it comes with their stomach or do they complain of stomach aches all the time? Are they in the middle of their meal and get a stomach ache? You have to think, what can I do to change this child's gut environment around? How can I improve that? Well, for starters, you could have good probiotics, improve the bacteria in the gut just by having probiotics. Be careful with the probiotics that you pick for a child because you want to make sure that you look at those ingredients in those probiotics. I would say try a place like O'Fallon Nutrition, maybe over Fresh Time because Fresh Time is set up in a way and I send people there all the time, so I'm not downing it, but it's set up in a way that'd be real easy to buy one that you don't realize has a lot of stuff in it. You know, some of them are just like sweet tarts in order to try to get, you know, we've talked about that before. In order to try to get the probiotic in, they're like making it to where they'll eat it. Well, it really isn't necessarily good for them anymore then. You know, we might even put a food dye in it to make it look that way, like the purple circus lion that they're chewing. It isn't really worth it anymore. Okay, so positive probiotics, but really making sure that it is a brand and that the ingredients are acceptable. If it's not, then take the adult formula and get some applesauce and put a quarter of the adult formula in the applesauce and store it or stir it around. You know, depending upon like someone like Sophie's size, I would take the uh, adult version and I would just take half of it and just put, and then I put it right back, right back on, save it for the next day. Um, her doctor, Dr. Anna, uh, Dr. Bone, uh, that's what she has us do. She has a special, uh, like small intestinal bacteria probiotic that she suggests and that's kind of what we think goes on with sophie's stomach mostly so i buy that specific probiotic rip it in half put it in there and i actually give it to her twice a day i just don't give it to her all at one time so she's really just taking one a day 
and that really helps. Now, another way to improve their gut environment is by getting them on the right enzymes. So potentially trialing enzymes. They do have chewable enzymes for kids. So if they're super, super little, you know, they do have chewable enzymes. But same holds true. You know, you could talk to your doctor about it, although honestly, if your doctor was going to have an opinion, they probably would have recommended the enzymes to begin with. But I don't want to rule out that you have an awesome doctor that's really willing to talk about stuff like that. But in most cases, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never met a pediatrician that recommended those types of things. And the probiotics that they're normally recommending are very dairy related. So sometimes the kids take them and still have a response. All right, so that's a kid concept. But from an adult concept, if you're walking around on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication, you have to think about, how's my digestion? Like, do I go to the bathroom every day? Or do I have diarrhea every day? Or am I bloated all the time? Do I, am I dealing with gas all the time? Like, we need to get to the bottom of why you have those digestive issues. Do you have intestinal bacteria that's overgrown? Do you have yeast that's overgrown? Do you have fungus? Do you have parasites? Those are all options that people do not realize they're dealing with, you know? And how do you determine that? Well, maybe getting with a functional medicine doctor that could break that down and get you on the right treatment plan really makes sense. But ways of dealing with it would be go out to Google and just say symptoms of parasites, symptoms of fungus, symptoms of yeast overgrowth, symptoms of small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, and if you're starting to hit, you know, 12 out of the 15 symptoms, you should seek out a doctor that is willing to get to the bottom of that. And I, I feel bad because I feel like I really down, you know, certain communities, but it's gonna be really tough to find a primary care physician that's gonna put the emphasis on it. If you go and tell them that you think you have yeast overgrowth, it's really, they just don't, like they don't have great protocols for it. Where a functional medicine doctor would like have you doing all kinds of different things. First thing he'd say is your food has to change. You can't feed that. For 90 days, you have to pull out anything that would convert to sugar and that would feed that, okay? Um, the, you know, then the next thing is they would put you on a protocol, a pill, you know, that would actually work at killing it internally and then work at improving that gut environment with the right bacteria and with the right things to break the food down, okay? So my point in bringing this up, he has, I mean, you know, he's, he's got text that goes down to here on this. It's great information. This was just one post. I try to share his posts all the time. But when you go out to the website, he has extensive articles on this stuff and it's, it's important information. So I would highly recommend it, okay? Um, there was one that I did want to read to you though. So summary of that, your gut environment is your brain environment. And if you're really struggling with your brain, focus, constantly foggy, depression, anxiety, all the above, you really need to look at your gut, okay? And I challenge you to do that. And if there's something I can help you with, I'll do it. You know, if I can sit down and go over your food with you and see, is there something that you're doing you know, that is just simply, it's wrong or you're overfeeding it. Maybe you get to the point to where you 100% know that you're, you're full of yeast. You know that you have overgrown yeast in your body. Let's sit down and figure out what you need to be eating then. 
you know, there are a lot of things you need to make sure you're not eating if that's the case. So go out and research those things. If you're genuinely dealing with a lot of this, you know, digestive upset, okay? So he's the one that go to, like if I was that. Mark Hyman, yes, just Mark Hyman. You, you would have multiple articles you could send to friends and family, multiple. You know, and it's on every topic known to man, every topic there is. And then he's unique because he'll like every other topic, he'll throw in, do you meditate? Do you take breaks? I mean, he, he's not just, do you know what I mean? He's not just about, you know, he's really just like body, mind, spirit. So I like that about him. There are plenty of other doctors that are just as awesome as him that I've told you about though. Dr. Perlmutter would be great. Uh, I just love his posts. I, I share them every day because they're so to the point. This one that I found was, uh, the high fructose corn syrup found in our processed foods is the single biggest cause of fatty liver. No one thinks that. They all think it's because of eggs. Soda, which frighteningly is the number one source of calories in the American diet, is then the biggest cause of fatty liver because of high fructose corn syrup. It says that dangerous belly fat caused by the sugar and starch in your diet then creates even more problems. It causes you to have high triglycerides and low HDL, the good cholesterol. It causes you to have small LDL and the dangerous cholesterol, those are the dangerous cholesterol particles that cause heart attacks. You really wanna pay attention to how much sugar you're taking in. A great book about cholesterol and understanding your cholesterol. If your doctor has told you to consider taking a statin, I'm not telling you you shouldn't take a statin. I'm just saying if he's told you that, a great book to read would be uh, Cholesterol Clarity by Jimmy Moore. He does a really great job of breaking down how and why fat is not the issue of your cholesterol and why carbohydrates and sugars are. But I will still say bad fats are contributing to your bad cholesterol. Soybean oil, peanut oil, sunflower oil, canola oil, all of those bad fats are contributing to cholesterol, but it's those in combination with the overconsumption of carbohydrates, overconsumption of sugar, that's raising those. What's the name of the book? It's Cholesterol Clarity, and it's Jimmy Moore. He says, fatty liver creates a whole cascade of issues. It causes inflammation in your body. This inflammation creates insulin resistance and prediabetes, which causes your body to deposit fat, not just in your liver, but also all around your organs and in your belly. That dangerous belly fat caused by the sugar and starch in your diet uh, then creates even more problems. It causes you to have high tr triglycerides, which is what we talked about. Um, in fact, having a fatty liver puts you at great risk for having a heart attack, and most people have no idea they have it. So ways of helping uh, to prevent a fatty liver, cut out all high fructose corn syrup from your diet, reduce or eliminate starch, get rid of white processed flour, uh, improve your metabolism uh, through exercise, and detoxify your liver through foods like celery juice, kale, collard greens, dark leafy vegetables, anything that is healthy, you know? I mean, so many people are living their life without eating vegetables. My client came in the other day, he's lost 80 pounds. He looks amazing. And his doctor was like, you're doing great. He, did, he had a colonoscopy, you're doing awesome, but you need to add more fiber. Go ahead and get some Metamucil. That's the only suggestion I can make. And he came to me, he's like, do you know how many vegetables I eat in a day? And I mean, that's all he eats. He eats a ton of them. Like he's really faithful about it. And I was like, 
Yeah, it's just a really common misconception. Like your doctor does not think you're going home to two bags of broccoli. He does not think you're doing that. You know what I mean? And he's like, okay, I, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, why would I need to add Metamucil? I have more fiber in me than I knew, I've had in my entire life. He goes, and I go to the bathroom plenty. I was like, what, what's gonna happen if I add the Metamucil? You know, and I was like, well, first of all, right, exactly. <laughs> I know, it's like, he's like, I'm not, I don't really want that, you know? And uh, he, he goes, but I read the Metamucil bottle. He's like, I actually almost already, you know, I went for it, right? He goes, he's like, I didn't buy it because it has all the ingredients you tell me every day I'm not supposed to have in it. And that's the fiber, you know? So it's just all these bad sugars and things like that. So when you are taking in vegetables, you're taking in fiber. When you're taking in, you know, fruit, you're taking in fiber. So just take that into consideration. Uh, but some of those vegetables have amazing purposes. Remember, I had an entire segment just on cabbage. Like, and I did it on purpose just so you could learn how many benefits one vegetable could make in your body. I could do the same thing every week about broccoli and then the next week about cauliflower. And then what it would do is it would make you wanna eat all of that even if you don't like the taste of it because you'd know it was doing such amazing things for your body. Right, exactly. Cause you learn this and it's like, now you have a foundation for your why behind what you're doing. and no one's getting that through a Weight Watchers counterpoint style diet. And in most cases, they are not getting it from a counter macros diet, if it fits in your macros, because they don't know, they don't really know what they're eating and what the dynamic is behind what they're eating. So those, those are great diets to get people off the couch. They're great diets to get people started. They're great diets to maybe get their blood pressure lowered so they feel good enough to start exercising. There's a diet for everyone. There's a starting point. There's a season for it, right? Even the cabbage soup diet got a person thinking that they could lose weight and maybe got them off on the right track into the right foods. Maybe they re and then maybe all the benefits from cabbage helped them. But liver, fatty liver, don't think about the fat, think about the sugar. And it's crazy, but too much fruit isn't a good thing either. It's not, so if you're still dealing, if you're eating really clean and you're still dealing with high cholesterol, I've mentioned this to you guys before, but my client Jerome, we have a, a, a card of him where he's holding this, he made this board where he was like, eight weeks ago, my cholesterol was this. Eight weeks later with Debbie, my cholesterol is this. I mean, really, the main things I took out was whole grain bread. He was just having whole grain toast every day for breakfast, and he was really over-consuming on fruit. You know, he had jelly on the toast. Then he would have his snack in the morning was either an apple or a banana. With lunch, he would have an orange. I mean, this is no joke. In the afternoon, he would have grapes. And then after dinner for dessert, he would have berries. He was, with the drinks and stuff he had, he was like 100 grams of fructose a day. He was eating clean foods though. That was the thing, is he wasn't having high fructose corn syrup, so he was so frustrated. And when his wife came to me and lost weight, he was like, I think I need to go to her. I mean, I keep, you know, my cholesterol is not changing. I keep eating cleaner and cleaner. So he goes and sees it's high. He goes home, starts eating more fruit. Cause he's like, I, I gotta eat more fruit. I need it to get lower. It, it didn't work. You know what I mean? And I feel bad for people in that situation because they're honestly trying 
and there's truly really no one to to steer them the other direction you know from a medical standpoint because if you really follow the food pyramid you almost could think it would be okay to do that you know what i mean so even the fructose can be an issue for that fatty liver especially especially high fructose corn syrup and that's where corn comes in there too you know popcorn you know i Clients that always want to have that that pop popcorn at night, and I don't blame them because it smells great and tastes great, but you just can't do it. It just isn't a good option. Okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to go over was I've mentioned this to you guys before. I just printed it out. I can't remember if I shared it on Facebook, but I will if I didn't. Uh, was that book that I told you about was the Go Giver? Remember I told you about it a couple weeks ago. So um, I want to. <laughs> I'm going to relate this to weight loss and health because that's what I do for every book. Like last week, we went over one of my favorite books and I like to just find, to, to try to navigate you through a healthy lifestyle through these books. The Go-Giver is more of a, it's underneath it says, it's a little story about a powerful business idea. And it was given to me or suggested to me by a, a counselor that John has gone to and he's always recommended amazing books. And it was given to me at a time where we were having a really low month. If you ever try to own a gym, come and meet with me first because you want to go work for someone. You don't want to try to own it. I'll just, I'll, I'll assure you of it. You know, in, in July and August, people are out of town. They don't come to work out, right? We've all been out of town. Even I was out of town, you know? It's hard, you know, it's hard. So you have to, in December, figure out what you're going to do for July and August, or you won't make it. And it would take two months to close your doors. It just, it just will. I have paced the floors of this gym with the, with the lights out, believing God for a turnaround and believing God for the right people to come in the door. Cause I believe in what we do. And they come in every single day. They come in every single day when they shouldn't, because I worked for powerhouse in July and August and they didn't come in. And we had hard times, you know, really hard times. So they, this person recommended me this book at, and it was at the right time. I needed to hear it. You know what I mean? And what it reminded me of is why I do what I do, you know, and my reasons for it. And even though it's, it's got soft biblical principles, it's real soft. It, it doesn't give you scripture. It's still the Bible at the end of the day. That's what they're talking about. Right. And I love that where they get it, the Bible into people that maybe wouldn't want to read the Bible. It is really great principles. And if you're not following it this way, start. Or if you feel like you're slacking in one area, here's a reminder of why you need to get back to it. And the book is awesome. When I got to the last chapter, I felt sad that it was going to end. And I, they, they have one for leaders. So I immediately ordered it on Amazon and it's the same principle, but I don't care. I just want to go back into the book and kind of have that escape. I felt safety in it and peace. I hope you guys enjoy these though. The first, it's the five laws of stratospheric success. The first law is the law of value. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. That's what I have posted on that board up there. Uh, how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Does that mean that we should work for free? 
Absolutely not. Because when people don't have skin in the game, they won't do what you're asking them to do. I've done it for many years. I've given people free nutrition packages and they're the ones that don't follow through. And believe it or not, they're the ones that end up at somehow, some way bad mouthing you. It's the weirdest thing. I have no idea. They don't do it, so they wanna blame you for it. But how can we relate this to your life? How much more you give in value than you take in payment? How much more you give towards being healthy? What can you give every day to make your life healthier? What can you do? What can you put out? And then how are you trying to impact the people around you with that? When I meet with someone the first time, I talk about their center of influence. So I try to make it bigger than them. Step outside of your box for a minute because sometimes you get so stuck on the scale, you get so stuck on your body fat, you get so stuck in your own deal, right? I want to look this way, I want to feel this way, I want to lift this way, but you don't realize that that's not what God put you here for. You know, it, it's not all about you. It's about how you can impact all the people around you and the healthier you are, the healthier the people around you are going to be, not because you preach it to them, but because at some point it will be contagious to them and they're going to want what you have. So when you're thinking about giving value, you're giving value just by going out to dinner with them and making the choice not to have what they're having. You don't realize it and you feel bad about it. You feel isolated, but you planted a seed in them by making that choice. And I'm telling you six months later, that person, who probably shunned you at the meal is gonna to come to you and say, I had a heart attack, I need your help. Or they're gonna say, my mom is really sick, I need your help. And you're going to be the one that's gonna end up helping them. So in value, more in value than you take in payment, that day at the restaurant, you're not gonna really get any paybacks on that. You're gonna to try to put value into people and they're, they're not gonna to wanna to hear it. And, and, and they're not gonna want it at the time. Don't worry about the payback, it's coming. You know, it's coming. And when it comes, it'll just be so worth it to you. But I guess what I wanna stress by this is, or what with this is, get outside of yourself and the goal and start thinking about how much you can impact people by you being healthy. You know, and I, and I, I told a client the other day, she said, how can I get my spouse on board? What can I do? She's like, I'm in it. I'm in the zone. I can do this. How can I get my spouse on board? I said, you can't. You be you. You live it and you live it in the most positive way possible and you pray that they are, they are caught by it and they, are, they decide that they want it because they want to be with you and they want to be healthy with you. But you can't go home and try to make somebody do it. They won't do it. They just won't, you know? And they've got to figure it out themselves that they need it. And the way they'll figure it out is by seeing you change. But I'll tell you, if you complain all the time, I'm so tired of eating broccoli or I'm so tired of this. I can't believe I go out to dinner and I can't do anything with anybody. They're not gonna get on that train. I mean, they're not gonna have any desire to, but if you make the food and you're like, this is awesome, you know, this is great. You know, I just feel thankful that I don't have a headache for the, that I haven't for the past three months. You know, I feel thankful I could pick all the green beans and my back didn't hurt, or I feel, you know, that kind of thing. If you're speaking that, at some point, they're gonna want what you have. They really are. And if they don't, and you literally take them to their deathbed like that, you will have remained healthy the entire time. And so your life 
will be the best it could have been, but you will have given it all you have, but you, you can't make someone, you just can't. So give, give, up, give it up, give it up, rest, find peace in the fact that we're all responsible for ourselves and just try to make the biggest impact you can on others with your life. I'd say the same about faith. You know, if someone wasn't walking in faith, how can I help them? Walk your faith out right in front of them so that you have something inside you that they want and they see something different in you. You know, why would they want to read the Bible if you're just pounding them upside the head with it? You know, why would they? The law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. To me, I feel better every single day if I've helped someone. I'm going to show you this text I just sent to someone earlier today. It was goal to make an income while making an impact. What's funny is that I spent the first 20 years of my career trying to figure out how to make an impact. That's all I did every day. And I made a really good income in doing it. So I opened my own business and now I make an impact every day and I'm trying to figure out how to make an income. And so I sent that as a joke to somebody. I was like, it's interesting how life changes, you know, and then in 20 years I'll have more income than I know what to do with. But you have to think about how many people you can serve in that day because yeah, maybe you'll get a big paycheck for it, but the bigger paycheck is the heartfelt blessing that you receive from being able to help someone and change someone's life and you've got to find ways every day to do it you know you've got to find ways to look up and say hello to someone you've got to find ways to run outside and say can i carry that in for you, you you've got to find ways to say you want me to take you to the gym today you want to go to the mall today you want to go walk today you want to do something today i always i might be tired and my mind might be racing but every night i call my mom what if, I, what if I can't call her tomorrow? I'm gonna try to find something positive to say to my mom tonight so she goes to bed thinking on something good, right? You know, who can you help today? Who can you? That, they're talking about income. Your income's determined by it. The way I look at it is your blessing is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. True peace, and true blessing is when you step outside of your own self, your own deal every day and you start figuring out how to serve God first, but in serving God, you're serving others, right? And this always comes up at Christmas time. This always touched me, it's, it's that, it's like a song. I, I can't remember how, exactly how it goes, but you know, the person's praying to God and saying, you know, I'm looking for help, I need help. I, maybe I'm not doing enough, maybe I'm a sinner. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm not walking as as well as I should. And then Christ comes and refers to them all the things that you did. When I when I sent this person to your door, you fed them. When I sent this person to here, you did this for them. You did that for them. You picked that up for them. You carried that for them. And you get so down on yourself and not feeling good enough. And this is your way out of that. Just serve. You know, get outside of yourself and serve and go way beyond you every day. Die to the flesh and live to serve the spirit. Does that make sense? And honestly, and this is how I link it to food, which I always find a way to do. If you die to the flesh, you just don't care so much. You're not constantly trying to feed it with food, right? You're not always trying to find that. What do I have after dinner? What, do I, what will I have when I'm happy? What will I have when I'm sad? What will I drink when I'm excited? It, you're just, it's, it's not the tip of the iceberg. It's not what's always on 
on the priority list for you because you've got so many things that are bigger than that. Does that make sense? The law of influence. Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Same thing. It's just trying to find a way to, to not always worry about yourself. And on that day, you know, on those days where I'm wanting to get consumed by, it's July, how are we gonna make it through July? When I wanna get consumed about that, I just try to just deepen that and say, who else can I pray for? Who else is struggling? And then I just, I just pray. I just pray and try to get into their struggle, you know, and then see what can I do to help them with their struggle? You know, where, what can I offer them? Where can, where, who can I help through their struggle? And I'm not thinking about my struggle that much anymore, especially when you start to see people are in way deeper issues than you are, way deeper issues. We have a gym that we get to go to every day. You know, I mean, we have blessed, it's just a blessed place. You know, we're changing lives with it. So then listing out how grateful I am for those things certainly help as well, okay? The law of authenticity. The most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Now, if you're stuck on you all the time, what you want, all your goals, how this is gonna look, how that's gonna look, how much money I'm gonna make, what kind of cars I'm gonna drive, how big my house is gonna be. If it's always you, 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 and what's coming back at you, it's very hard to offer you to anyone. And you're the most valuable thing you can offer to anyone. You know, and, and be that through your faith, be that through how healthy you are and the inspiration you provide with your health. Maybe that's like John by lifting someone's refrigerator. You know, maybe that's by, uh, you know, my mom cooking someone's sweet potatoes for the week, you know, making Sophie Jello. You know, you all have your way, you know, of doing things. Uh, Mike fixes my toilet here all the time without telling me and, and I, and right? And I, I mean, it blesses me, you know, but that's the key and, and, and I still resonate on every single one of these is that you have to get out of your own deal and being so stuck on your situation and just get out there and help people with their situation. You know what I mean? That's, that's where the real difference comes from. And man, your stress, it goes down so much because I'm telling you, when you compare what you're dealing with to what all these other people are dealing with, it just doesn't feel like near as big a deal, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, the key to uh, the law of, I never say this right, reciprocity. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. I'm terrible at that, so I don't know if you guys are. I don't know. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. I have to have something on my mirror when I get ready. I wrote it out and it, it talks about at some point the, it, what my income will be because I still to this day think I'd be fine even at 60 if I didn't really make that much money as long as everybody gets to stay here and do what they want to do, right? But that's dumb. Why not make money and have everybody get to do what they want to do, right? You've got to be open to what people are willing to do for you. Sometimes you can create a block to that, you know? Oh, you know, you can be too humble. No, I'm fine. No, I don't, I don't need the help. When deep down, you really need the help. And God sent them to you. You know, they sent them. Open the door and let it come in. And that is a hard thing to do sometimes, especially if you're a strong, you know, you don't want to show weakness kind of person. 
be willing to receive. If you're willing to give, be willing to receive. If someone's willing to make meals for you, let them, let them make the meals for you. If someone's willing to go to the grocery store, don't take advantage, but let them go to the grocery store for you. If someone wants to give you something because they know you really need it, that's what I'm terrible about. No, let me pay you for that. It's like, no, God was trying to give that to you. Take it, you know, just take it, you know. So be open to that. That's just something I'm, I'm not really very good at. So I feel like, discussing mind body spirit is very important because when your spirit is in in check and you're on point with it you're just so much better with your food i mean just don't eat mindless things that you don't need to eat because you're not you're not using food as your therapy you know what i mean so that is a great book i can't stress it i would really look at the go-giver and i don't have the offer down but the author down but i could but it's called the go-giver Oh, Bob Berg, B-U-R-G, at the library? Okay, good, yeah. It's really, like, it's like that thick. That's why I suggest it to everyone, because it's so quick. Yeah, it's such a quick read, and it really is beneficial, and I guarantee you're gonna read it, and you're gonna know someone that needs to have it. Like, you're gonna wanna walk to their house and give it to them, because you know they'll be in something that they benefit from that, you know? And then you'll know, pe you'll know people that are incredibly successful with their business. I mean, amazingly successful, but they're not givers. They're just takers and they take, 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 and you'll kind of sit back and go, why do they keep getting when they're never giving? Like, I don't get it. You know, I'm so confused by it. It's not for us to understand, you know, it's not our problem. So we'll let them work it out, but they'd be a great person to buy this book for. Because if they live in that much means, how many people could they bless if they turned it around and started serving, right? So people of great means need this just as much as people of little means because how many people's lives, right? She's great means, yeah. <laughs> right? They need it just as much. So I wouldn't hesitate you know, from, from giving it to them. Do you guys have any questions about that? No? Well, I hope you all have a good week. Thank you. We are leaving first thing Monday morning. Yep, and we're driving down. We'll get there probably 7 o'clock that night.